Welcome to that We May See. It has been a long time, boys. Yeah, Jeff, perhaps you can explain when, uh, why that's the case. Well, I mean, my marriage does bring a few difficulties. I mean, being 400 miles away, it was a bit hard to uh, get a podcast together. Mm-hmm. But glad that uh, circumstances have aligned and we can get back. Yep. I suppose you could have utilised Zoom. I think everyone has over the past two years or so, but yeah. I think... It's always best to do it in person, I think. Yeah, but we're excited with the subject that we have for this today's episode, which is, Joel? Evangelism. Um, it's a word that you'd probably only hear in Christian circles. It's not really a word used outside. Um, it's always worthwhile just going through the topic. Um, so what we want to do is try and define evangelism, uh, what an evangelist is, what the Bible has to say evangelism any characters in there that are evangelists and what practical evangelism um, looks like today. So today we have with us Jonathan Black uh, to help guide us through this. Uh, Johnny, thank you very much for coming. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you and to look at this very important subject. Now this is quite a like a applicable one for us. We were saying before that we'll some of us at work, some of us at uni, a few married, and I think when you're younger, you think of the word evangelism and you kind of disassociate, disassociate yourself from that. Like, there are evangelists and that's not me or like, I'm, I don't have that uh, gift or that calling. So this is completely applicable to us and we're so eager to learn about this and for other people to listen as well. Yeah, I think also people today, if you, if you were to tell them um, that you were an evangelist, they probably wouldn't have an idea what you're on about. They just wouldn't know what it is. So it's worthwhile just going through that, I think. So, Johnny, we've got a few listeners from not in this country. Uh, so for anyone that doesn't know who you are and what sort of work you're involved in, could you just maybe explain that for a brief moment? Yes. Um, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm uh, from Northern Ireland, and uh, that's where I was born. I was saved when I was a student of 19 and I suppose that's when uh, evangelism for us all starts, the day that we're saved, uh, as we begin to to tell others. Um, in fact, that was really one of the, the things that, that was my dread before I was saved. It was maybe one of the things that would have held me back. It was actually, how am I ever going to tell people that I'm saved? Uh, so never for one moment would I have thought, I would have been uh, ending up on a street in London or Oxford actually preaching in the open air. Uh, I think that's just testimony to the fact that we're dealing with something that's not natural, it's spiritual. Uh, and so uh, just about over 10 years ago, uh, the Lord made it clear to us, my wife Joy and our two children, uh, that we should uh, give up full-time employment, uh, secular employment, uh, and uh, take the gospel to the shores of England. Um, so that's where we are currently, living here in Bicester. So just at the outset of um, the episode, you mentioned that you were saved at the age of 19. So um, how did evangelism impact you at that age? What was your experience with evangelism? Well, I was brought up in a, in a Christian home, uh, as we would call it. My mum and dad were first-generation believers. So I was brought up very much going to gospel meetings, Sunday school, always knew I needed to be saved, etc. Uh, can't say there was ever a time when I didn't intend to be saved, but uh, 
in my teens rebelled very much against that upbringing uh, and wanted to enjoy myself in the world and so on. Uh, and that's really... Uh, so that was my general experience of the gospel, like anybody growing up uh, listening to it. I've been fortunate, John, to hear, I've heard your testimony uh, a few times and it's it's remarkable to, to see that the way that the Lord... Uh, saved you and obviously the the message that you have as an evangelist is the message of the gospel and i think a big thing on the podcast was the aim was to ultimately reach people with the gospel uh is there any way that you could give us a, a brief uh testimony or how the lord did reach you at 19 yeah well actually i had a false profession when i was about 10 um and i suppose that was maybe being exposed to uh, other people telling their testimony and like many young people really really wanting to be saved without actually understanding it fully um, but I quickly realized that just putting my name in a verse that's not salvation and there was no big change and therefore uh, like I say I, I really like the prodigal son wanted to get away from home did so went off to university thinking that I had missed out a lot uh, on this world and quickly found that really what I was going after didn't satisfy me. Um, and around the month of March 1992, actually my parents were away for a, a holiday. I, I, went, I had actually left university at that point, uh, but I went back down to spend some time with friends and mates. Um, and the Lord showed me over that weekend that this world had nothing to satisfy. Furthermore, at the end of it all, the burden of sin was growing. Conscience, all those things became a tremendous weight. And it all came to a head one Friday um, when I decided, rather than going out with friends and planning the next night out, I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to step back from this and find out that there must be something more to life. And... You know, even at that age, though I had been brought up in the gospel, I couldn't have told you at that point how to be saved or what I should do because I, I just felt so utterly lost. And then that day, um, I decided, right, I need to get back home, get this matter sorted. Priority, as we always say when we're preaching, make it a priority. And that's what I did. And as I made my way home, I thought, well, you know, I can't even wait to get home. I need to get saved right now and pulled over to the side of the road. And I was like, Peter, going down beneath the waves, I cried out, Lord, save me. And he did. And the little verse then, I suppose that's when the, the privilege of a Christian home kicked in. Uh, because the little verse came immediately. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And I knew well, that's what I've done. And he's never turned a sinner away yet. And I was thankful he saved me that day. So we've talked about how you were when you were 19, and that's that's probably just under 30 years ago now. Um, in terms of things more recently, what um, what's your involvement been in evangelism? Well, recently, uh, since we came over to, to, to London and Oxford, um, Oxford really in the past five years now, um, it has been mainly street work that, that we have done, um, obviously working with assemblies and gospel meetings and Bible teaching. But that aside, generally through the week, it has been uh, street work. Uh, and I've always believed that 
I mean, maybe it's coming to what, what evangelism is. And I suppose the key passage when we're dealing with evangelism is probably 2 Timothy 4, um, where we have one of the occurrences of, of evangelist, Ephesians being the other. Um, and in, a, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul is actually telling Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. So while in Ephesians, the evangelist is, is a gift, it's the person that's given as a gift to the church. In Timothy, it's the work that's been emphasized. And the reason I just bring that in is because the, the word work really is, is business or occupation. And therefore, I've always felt that when I'm involved in this, just as I was in secular employment, there's a work and a routine that's needed. And therefore, we've always set to try and have a routine each week, um, whether it's, you know, an open air in Oxford or London. Um, and presently it's it's one day in London on a Friday. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Oxford. Um, various forms of evangelism and that. No, that's one thing I'm, I've admired about a, a lot of full-time workers. It's that this is their calling and this is not just something that they're doing just to pass the time or something, but it is a, a structure and a routine. And I, and I liked what you said, Johnny, that this is something that started at 19, the day you got saved. That's where really, whilst we might not all be doing the same thing that you're doing out in the streets, we all have a, a work to do in our own way. Would you be able to, just to explain to someone that the actual word evangelist, um, Joel was saying that it is associated with uh, Christians and probably wouldn't be used in a wider context, just to explain what that word means. Yeah, I think that's very important, Jeff, because uh, like many words, they can take on their own meaning. So we must start with, with Scripture itself. So I suppose the two words that we're most familiar with is the word gospel uh, and then the person, the evangelist, and they're, they're very much linked. Uh, the evangelist being the herald uh, who brings the good news, which the word gospel, I think in Greek is... Johangelidzo uh, is good news or glad tidings, but it's it's been translated gospel from an old English word meaning uh, God's spell, which is good and spell meaning story. So they're very much the same idea. So we have the good news, that is the message, and then we have the messenger, if you like, which is the herald, which is the evangelist. Um, now, as I said, it is a gift in Ephesians. The work in uh, Timothy, there's great debate as to whether Timothy himself was and had the gift of an evangelist, whether he was an evangelist. Uh, most would think, and I would tend to agree, that Paul was actually saying, listen, uh, you might not be one who is an evangelist but you can do the work of an evangelist and therefore evangelism takes in us all in some way from the moment we're saved why is it so important from scripture for us all to be or to do the work of an evangelist yeah well i think again we come back maybe to first timothy or second timothy chapter four and Really there you have a sevenfold commission for evangelism. And the first point uh, in that is the charge, verses 1 and 2. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. 
So there really maybe you have the two reasons for evangelism. First of all, it's, uh, it's what we do before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. They are going to be the witnesses and it's in light of the judgment seat of Christ as believers. But it's also secondly in light of the judgment of the quick and dead. That is those who are not saved. And that would be the second reason. So it's our service before God. Uh, it's what he has told us to do in his word. And we do it in obedience to the commission. But secondly, we should have a compassion for those who are going to face the judgment of God. Uh, and that should motivate us, I think, uh, in what we do. I might be wrong, Johnny. Um, but in looking around in, in the scriptures, especially New Testament, um, I don't know anyone else but Philip who was specifically called an evangelist. Yeah. So you see in, in Acts 21, it's Philip the evangelist, and you obviously see the amount that Philip did and, and the way that the Lord took him to different parts. Um, I, was, I was looking briefly into just some of the requirements that are in, in Scripture about uh, the work that it involves with, with evangelists. I was looking at in the beginning of Acts when some of the apostles are trying to appoint more uh, apostles to help them the, the qualities that they said uh, honest report full of the Holy Ghost and and wisdom and it, it was Stephen that was the only one that was mentioned as being uh, full of faith and of the Holy Ghost and so right from scripture there are certain requirements that God looks for in men especially to be able to handle the word and to, to take and to teach the word and to be able to dispel that and you see that with Timothy as well when Paul's telling Timothy of handing it down to faithful men who are apt to teach and would you say that as a comparison or there's a I think that's very important Jeff because we, we like w with all uh, aspects of doctrine we can very easily cherry pick um, what we like and what we think is important um, so you might meet someone and, and they're all us evangelism it's all evangelism um, well when we come to the Word of God and again Second Timothy four is a classic example. Um, Second Timothy four is coming at the end, really, of uh, a very important body of truth that Paul is giving to Timothy with regard to the whole Christian life. So, chapter one, for instance, is the committed Christian persecution. Second uh, Timothy two is the convicted. Uh, Christian, it's the passing on of the word of God to others, the things that thou hast learned of me. In chapter 3, it's the complete Christian. If you look at the end of verse 16, for instance, uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And then in chapter 4, it's the commissioned Christian. So uh, it's, he doesn't commission them in chapter 1. He says now there's a character that needs to be built. And that's why I think uh, maybe it's a point that we can discuss. You know, I'd like to know maybe what you think in terms of, of when, when a person is newly saved. Um, we all thought when we got saved, everybody else would get saved. I remember the first person I told that I got saved thinking, why are they not so enthusiastic? Um, but through time, you learn and you develop. Uh, uh, and I think that is important uh, in our witness to people that, that, we can, that we can answer some of the more difficult questions um, rather than just throwing a young person right out on the street 
um, we're really, it's not fair on them and it's not fair on the person that they're trying to reach. No, definitely, I think um, every Christian has a responsibility um, in one way or another of evangelism. And I think uh, it's something that is that can be done, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the, the place of education, or if it is in the, the, the full-time street work that you yourself do, Johnny. Um, um, one thing that I found uh, was that opportunities would, would just arise based on, based on testimony. So whether that was secondary school uh, and the fact that I didn't drink alcohol, that would always be uh, an opportunity then that would arise to to speak about the glad tidings of Christ. Effectively, you have the same at university um, and at work and um, even with customers now uh, in the sort of employment that I have presently. So I think there's, uh, there's uh, evangelism is intrinsically the same thing across all these uh, different areas in which it can be shown. But obviously... Um, it might be done in different settings. It's not necessarily always the same setting for evangelism. It's not always the the platform in the gospel hall. It's also behind the desk in the office. Yeah, I think that's very important. Um, I mean, the two things for any believer, obviously, setting out in evangelism uh, is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. So God has equipped the evangelist. Uh, that's all that's needed. I, and I, I say all not to minimise, but rather than to show that God has equipped us with all that we need. And I think it's important to to distinguish between the, the media, the medium and the message. Um, the message doesn't change. Um, the, the, the motive either should always be the same, that is to see people saved, baptised, and then added to a local assembly. And that's why I say that it's very necessary to have that character uh, built up with regard to those other things that Paul addresses in Timothy, as he's writing to Timothy at the church, Ephesus. Because if I'm going to evangelize, I'm thinking just of a, of a person right now, actually, who wanted to join me one day, many years ago, uh, in open-air preaching, now, I happen to know that that person didn't believe in believer's baptism. Uh, and so a conversation began and I simply asked the question, well, what happens if somebody gets saved? If you and I were preaching together, I said, you're going to tell them they don't need to be baptized. I'm going to tell them they are. I said, that's confusion. God is not the author of confusion. So, you know, you can see already that... Um, the importance of of of, of the, the doctrine as a whole, uh, rather than just saying, "Oh, I do evangelism. I don't not interested in the other things." You know. Just to pick up on what you were saying, Johnny, you were saying about how what is young people's attitude uh, when either when you were saved as a young person or how we are now towards the idea of in some way witnessing. And I'm thinking of in one Peter where we're taught to to give a reason for our faith or the, or the hope and. For me, as someone who was saved younger in life, um, as a, someone in primary school or in the early years of secondary school, you just want to fit in in any way that you can. And so anything that draws you out and makes you stand out, you you shun from. 
And it's only until you get to the maybe final years of secondary school and university that you realize that that was a lot of time that you wasted and opportunities missed out. And I actually think of one thing in particular where there was a boy in my in my class who was incredibly uh, interested in what I believed and he found out that uh, I was getting baptized and he wanted to come and he came and he heard a message of the gospel. Um, but after that, when he saw my assembly, I then got grew quite ashamed when he came when we came, came back to school and he would talk about it in front of everyone. But sadly, that boy actually passed away a few years ago. And that was the first time it actually hit me that was such a, a loss for me, where there was a, uh, such amount of time that I, I should have capitalized on that. And I think a lot of people here feel like they, like Joel was saying, opportunities just arise. And it's a lot of time that we, uh, it's either fear or, or doubting ourselves or, or the word of God or shame that uh, has that. And uh, any t- do you ever feel that as an evangelist on the streets? Because I know they can be quite opposing sometimes people out there. Yeah, in a sense, on the street, um, you're with a wide audience uh, and therefore it's, it's slightly different to be to, to, to sitting next to the person in your office. Um, because on the street when you preach the gospel, in one sense, you have nothing to lose. Uh, people will walk past you, uh, they might stop, they might shout something at you, you might get a bit of abuse. However, when you're sitting at your office desk, uh, your job could be on the line for what you say. Um, and so that fear element is 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 different to the fear uh, that you have on the street. I mean, there's never a day that I don't go out in the street when I, I'm not afraid. Um, it's just always the way. But that fear of just of maybe losing something or a young person being embarrassed in their peer group if they speak up, I think we've all experienced that. And my goodness, how many opportunities I look back on and I think, oh, I missed that. I should have spoke. Um, but I think that's going back to First Timothy 4 again. And it's preach the word, be instant, in season and out of season. And it's being ready and spiritually prepared. Uh, and as someone, you know, I remember advising me when you pray in the morning, ask the Lord for opportunities to open up that you might take them. And when they do come, you have the strength to do that. Yeah. And one of the most important things is this, is that salvation is of the Lord. Mm. And while we we have these instructions given to us um, to to preach the word, uh, to go out into all the world, um, ultimately salvation is of the Lord, it is from him, it is ultimately for his glory. Um, And the encouragement for uh, the the disheartened student in their classroom whose classmates ridicule them for their faith is that even that small... uh, one line sentence uh, from the Bible, the Lord can use that um, for his glory because ultimately salvation is of the Lord. Yeah, I think that's very true. Um, I think it's maybe probably a good time to to, to say as well in that, that um, sadly, I think one of the, one of the hindrances to evangelism is is if I agree totally with what you say, but but taking that to an extreme whereby uh, salvation's only of the Lord, and therefore we don't need to bother evangelizing, that somehow 
uh, God has chosen some people to be saved, others to be lost. And therefore, what's the point in going out uh, to preach? Because they're going to get saved anyway. Um, now, the difficulty with that is, again, going back to First Timothy, Second Timothy 4, uh, why then was Paul exhorted to be concerned about people that were going to appear at the judgment uh, of the great white throne? Uh, if God is going to judge people <laughs> for for whether they accepted Christ or rejected Christ, um, well, um, it would be grossly unfair if, if he had chosen some and not others. So, uh, you know, the, yes, salvation is of the Lord, but... Uh, the, the 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 commission to preach the word uh, is incumbent upon us and uh, God is not bound of course he can save somebody uh, just by themselves as he did Saul on the Damascus road um, but the commission and the divine uh, pattern is to have the word preached yeah I was just you mentioned Paul there I was appreciating recently in in Romans one. Where he gives the he gives the, the reasons why he wasn't able to go to Rome, and he, but he gives them three I am statements, and he says I am not ashamed, and he says I am ready or, or willing um, to preach the gospel, and then he says I am debtor. Did you have any thoughts on this idea that as Christians we are are debtors to society in terms of the, of the gospel? Yeah, I think that's that that is important. So in other words, he felt he felt a debt in everything that he did uh, to God, both for what God did for him and what he owes as well to his his fellow countrymen and we do we 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 owe it to our our friends and neighbors to tell them and that, i find that i don't know about you james i find that very searching uh to think that there could be someone who lives next door to me and is it possible that one day they will stand before god's judgment and they will they will say, "Why did you not tell me?" I think that's one of the most searching things that we can think of. Yeah, I think I think as a young person, it brought up in in a Christian family, and you attend the gospel meetings every week, you kind of just expect that someone else will bring someone in, or someone might just turn up, and you just become very numb to responsibility. And I think for a few people, it takes them getting away and going to university and for me going to a smaller meeting and if you'd come to a gospel meeting and not many people were there you feel the weight of your responsibility actually to bring people and I think that's an incredibly, incredibly uh, searching thing I'm just thinking um, there's such a wide range of listeners on here Johnny um, and some of them might have different focuses maybe some of them would like to know how to in the open air how to be more effective or some are just wanting in their university in their school, in their workplace, how do we just have a testimony and be able to give a reason or like how Paul would say to Ephesians, speaking truth with love. I wonder if we could just tackle, or just cater to the, the widespread spectrum of people that were probably listening. So for like maybe to people in school, in university, and they're just wanting to be able to stand and be bold in that way. Yeah, so uh, not everybody uh, can stand up publicly and preach. Obviously, it's it's uh, first of all something that men do. Um, so maybe there's a, a dear sister listening, uh, and she's thinking, you know, how does this apply to me? Well, I mean, I have I've observed 
very often that gift that that sisters have and that is in one-to-one evangelism and are very very good at that and how often uh, that sister for instance can be the link uh, in maybe bringing somebody to hear the gospel or indeed bringing them to the word of God and and they get saved Um, so while preaching the word is is God's divine pattern, it is just uh, it is very often sometimes the final uh, link in the chain, so to speak, where a lot of work has been done and personal uh, testimony in the workplace or with a friend. Uh, so that that is all part of of the work of of, of evangelism. Um, Tracting, I'm a great believer and really uh, that was one of the things that got us uh, started with street work is just, uh, let's say, uh, decide to take 20 tracks every day in your pocket and ask the Lord to give you help to give those 20 tracks out. And you'll be quite amazed if you're a busy person at work uh, all day, uh, you know, what an effort it is just to get those 20 tracks. Yes, you can just hand them to the first person you meet in the street. But um, just think if you did that every day, uh, how much of the word of God would be would be given out. Uh, obviously now we're uh, Christians living in a virtual world uh, and that opens another whole avenue of, of media by which uh, the gospel can go out. And um, I think we should take advantage of that. That was something else actually wanted to speak about, um, Johnny. We were as a, a few young people um, in Edinburgh. We were we met and sometimes we do a Bible study, and the the subject was about truth itself. And we were looking at how this era that we're in, in this postmodern era, they have kind of taken truth and made it incredibly subjective, and really like truth can be whatever you'd like it to be. And obviously, we know, and we've just had a gospel meeting that when the Word of God speaks about truth, it is. God's truth, and that's when, as God is unchanging, so is His truth. Is there a, a, a difficulty or a, a danger when it comes to when we're the work of an evangelist and we're speaking truth that we're in a society who doesn't actually want to hear truth anymore and they totally reject that which is like objective, absolute truth found in the Word of God? Is that something that you have found? Yeah, increasingly, especially we would get that a lot in Oxford, and obviously a place where where academia is is to the fore. Um, but I mean, very often in a conversation about truth, people, uh, you know, saw off the branch they're sitting on straight away because once and immediately they claim that truth is uh, subjective. Um, well, they're implying that what they say is objectively true. So immediately they're in trouble, uh, and usually when when they see that, the, the argument comes to quite a fast halt. Um, now, the danger in getting into that is that the flesh within you can want to win an argument, and you can win an argument and lose a soul. So while, yes, you want to point out that uh, truth is objective, but by the same token, we must be very clear that the Bible self-authenticates itself. Uh, so we don't need to try and prove it. Uh, it's self-authenticating within, and that's the wonderful thing about the truth of Scripture. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, um, just kind of fusing previous comments together, there was one <coughs> preacher I was speaking to him with regards to witnessing to Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and jokingly, he kind of said that, that I wouldn't know how to, because whenever they knock at the door, I let my wife speak to them. I think just reiterating what you were saying about uh, the gift that some women have to just be gentle in their conversation, but yeah, at the same time, very effective in communicating the gospel. Um, but um, I do think that, that the world in which we live is ve- very far gone. I think it's always been that way. But it has been said by quite a few people that because truth is in in no man's land, really, as far as young people go, um, I found in my communications with colleagues, they're much more open to hear what the Bible has to say because they're more open-minded about what truth is. Um, the, the, the people, my experience with the people that I've come across is that they are kind of keen to know what's true because they've heard several different things. They don't know what is true. And so therefore that in itself creates a good opportunity to speak to them about Christ. No, I, I mean, I agree with you totally. I, um, I suppose the danger is I can get a wee bit cynical uh, the, the longer I'm talking to people on the street. And I really do feel people know fine well what truth is. Um, yeah. That You know, you know if you're going to step out in front of a bus, you're going to get knocked down. Uh, you, know, you don't need to decide is this true or not true. But... Again, you don't want to try and make uh, make people feel foolish. Um, you have to always, you know, deal with people with compassion and love, and realize that they are in darkness. You know, these people are blind. You and I have the tremendous privilege of being enlightened to the scriptures. And I know we don't really uh, know very much of our Bibles, but we can open it and. We can see so clearly what truth is, what the gospel, but these dear folk are blind and it, it does take the Holy Spirit to, to awaken them. Just being very practical and I'm not a big conversationalist, I'm sure there's lots of people listening to this who aren't as well, but I was very interested over the um, at dinner table there that you mentioned that you had a conversation with someone while you were cutting your hair. I'm just wondering if you can give any advice on just someone that wants to start a conversation in that sort of environment, you know, you're sat next to someone on a train, what's what's a good sort of question to get them talking? Yeah, um, cutting your hair is, a, is an interesting one because as we were saying at the table, some people are quiet, some people don't like to. And I, I mean, I accept, for instance, door-to-door work is maybe not for everybody. Uh, there's some people genuinely struggle going to a person's door. So if that's not for you, but put it through anyway, um and there are certain you know openers that that may be helpful um you know in in conversation um i mean coming to someone's door one of the questions i like to ask is uh you know have you heard the gospel before are you familiar with the gospel um and that immediately puts the person a little bit of ease to reply on their terms um, and very often that'll open the conversation well yes I have um, well what do you understand about the gospel uh, and I, I do find questions are, are, are a, a good conversation starter rather than just uh, you know uh, telling them everything you know without letting them speak 
So, Johnny, perhaps you might uh, be able to tell us um, what qualities would make a good evangelist. Well, I think probably we go back to Second Timothy 4. Um, you know, and again, we're, we're dealing with that whole character that's set out before you come to chapter 4. Uh, the person who's committed, uh, and you can't expect to convince someone else uh, of the gospel if you're not committed to it yourself, if you're not living by it, if they can't see the change in you. Um, the other thing that really is important on a practical level, I think you have to be a good listener. Uh, so while it is preaching the word, um, and the benefit of preaching, one of the benefits of preaching is that people can actually respond. They are sitting under the, uh, the Holy Spirit and they are having to listen to the Word of God. And, and that is so valuable because you get somebody on the street and they just want to talk, 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 and it's question after question. Um, but that said, after the meeting that somebody has questions, it's important that you, you listen and you're able to listen um, just going around the doors this week, uh, for instance, at Christmas time and offering people a calendar or a, a John 3.16. Quite often, I find this week, people are wanting to tell you of the, the people that have passed away in the, the year that's gone and how sad they are at Christmas. And, you know, that requires to stand and listen to someone before maybe you have an opportunity to first of all sympathize with them and then maybe be able to bring the gospel in or something about heaven. I think that's a, a really good point because a lot of time when we're thinking about this is about preaching and we need to be authoritative and to know what we want to say and be precise but in my, my limited experience with just speaking to people about it uh, you can definitely see the the barriers come down when you realize that when they realize that you're just listening to them and you want to actually get to know them, and that you're not just here to 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 win their soul, but you actually do want to be able to understand and to see what their confusion is and actually have a genuine interest in them. And I think just having a listening ear is is something that is so important, and you see that ultimately with Christ, he never turned anyone away, and the, you'd see the multitudes of the flocks that would come to him and I'm sure there was never a moment when he, the Saviour never had time for them he was always had an, a, an open ear to them I think that's very true um, uh, going back to, to to street work I think over the years the thing though that I have observed and I mean I suppose again this goes back to the divine pattern of preaching I mean, you stand in, in, a, in a street in a city centre, you give out tracts, and that's such a valuable work. Uh, you set up a table to speak to homeless people, um, and that's immensely valuable. And again, that's listening is absolutely essential in that, because the alcoholic, the addict, has a story, and you need to get to the bottom of their story, etc. But what is going to stop people? What is going to get the real questions? What is going to get people to really think? Without doubt, it is the preaching, the public preaching of the word. Uh, I've seen it time and time again uh, that we've tracked it and tracked it and somebody gets up and preaches. Within five minutes, you have two people who have stopped, who are engaging in the conversation. 
because that's God's divine way, and um, so so all those things yeah are important. What is it about preaching, Johnny, that does draw someone who is seeking and someone who is lost and actually searching in? And oftentimes we've seen people who just look convicted standing there. What is it about preaching that is, there's clearly a reason why Paul is saying to Timothy the most important thing is just to preach the word. Yeah, well, I think whether you put the emphasis on either preach or the word, uh, both are absolutely essential. So it is the word that you have to preach, uh, and the power is in the word. We, we, we have no question about that. Taken by the Holy Spirit, the power is in the word, and we've seen that. So how are you going to get the word to people uh, is the public proclamation. And the, the, the word is Caruso, which is the, the herald or the town crier who come into the town with the news uh, that the town needed to know about. Um, and the wonderful thing about that divine design of preaching is it's timeless. Uh, it doesn't cost anything in terms of, uh, I mean, you put advertisements on a bus, that's costly. Not everybody can do that. It's a very good thing to do, by the way, bus advertising. But, uh, you know, anybody who is saved and, you know, has the word, a Bible in their hand, they can preach wherever you are. Um, it crosses cultures, it crosses languages. Um, and then you can just see the, the how the Spirit uses the act of preaching, and that's probably no greater example than Acts chapter 2, yeah. where Peter gets up uh, and he preaches to, uh, to the Jews there. Um, and obviously 3,000 souls saved. Yeah. Um, but then you also have the other side of it, which is what we've talked about already, uh, the the one to one yeah. element in Acts chapter eight, where Philip is told to arise and go, uh, and he would meet with the Ethiopian eunuch and he would um, speak to him on a one to one level, explaining Isaiah. Um, yeah. Both good examples of evangelism. That's a good point, uh, really. The chariot, the first drive-in meeting <laughs> in, in Scripture, um, and what a drive-in it was uh, up into the chariot. How can you know? How can he understand except somebody explain? So yeah, you're right. The one-to-one explanation, exposition of the word. You know, not just necessarily a three-point sermon, but going down Isaiah 53. Um, and I think we maybe shouldn't be afraid to do that. Um, sometimes we. We don't give people enough credit for what they're capable of actually understanding from Scripture. I remember uh, a Muslim coming up to speak to us one day in London. <clears throat> we were just outside a station and he was coming up to encourage us. He says, I am actually not long. I've been saved just a short time. And he told us how he got saved and he had gone along to hear this um uh, Methodist preacher I think it was and he had gone along with a friend to argue against him and at the end of the gospel message uh, which he claimed was not a uh, very uh, impressive preaching <laughs> he he got the, the Methodist preacher and he says can you prove to me uh, that Jesus was the son of God and that he is God uh, uh, and wisely that preacher didn't get into an argument with him he sat down and he began to read through John chapter 1 and as he got down to John chapter 1 right down the chapter the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us he said it was like a blind being opened and he says in an instant it dawned upon me that the word was Jesus Christ and that the word became flesh 
that was the man who died on the cross for my sins. And he says, I got saved in a moment of time. So, you know, the power is in the word every time and we shouldn't be afraid to read it at length. Certainly. I mean, um, a couple of our friends told us a story very recently of um, one day they're out in their garden and they, they hear Christian gospel music being played over the fence. Um, they had no knowledge of any of their neighbours being into Christian music at all, um, let alone saved. And so um, one of them goes around, knocks to the door, and he's just like, um, who's playing Christian music? Um, and the gentleman opens the door and says, oh, my daughter is recently, she decided to become a Christian. Um, and he was like, well, is it possible for me to speak to her? Um, she's more than welcome to come around. And so she came around the house, um, and basically she's, uh, in her late teens, um, she smoked, drank, did drugs, got tired of it all, just saw the senselessness of it and was like, right, I'm probably just going to pick up a Bible and give it a read. Um, read John's Gospel entirely um, and is saved. And that was the, the, the power of the word. There was, yeah. there was no, no, no man, no woman there to kind of guide her through that. But just the, the reading of John's Gospel was sufficient to minister to her the gospel message yeah uh, the power is in the word um every time and and that's um well i have a question for you three now just to turn the tables for a minute uh, and you can tell me how you would answer this and then i'll i'll tell you how i answered it uh, this is a practical situation we're going to put ourselves into on the street so four students uh came up to me the other week in oxford and uh, we had quite a discussion. They, they weren't believers in God, atheist point of view, agnostic, etc. And uh, so we went through various aspects of God and his love and why God would, why would God punish people who, uh, in hell, for instance, if he's a God of love, all those questions that you get. And then came the question, which will be familiar to you. Well, then, what about the people who have never heard? How is God going to judge people who have never heard the gospel? So how would you answer that? Working from right to left, James. <laughs> the first time we've been put on the spot. It's quite nice, actually. <laughs> well, well, it's been nice having you, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I think... Do you start... I don't even, I don't even know. What you, Romans 1? Yeah, so that, yeah. The fact that creation declares him... Um... um I feel like a fool. That's... The funny thing is that this is something that I've actually I have asked someone before. I've asked Dad this a lot, and he has given me an answer to this a few times. <sighs> Should have gone left to right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think ultimately there is a responsibility that is is upon anyone that is that which is within us that does seek after something. There is we are we have the very image of God imprinted and stamped upon us, and the created is always longing to seek after the creator and you you look at um so i look at someone like, like lee strobel and there was that which was in him to find truth and uh, what he had believing in that which he had been indoctrinated in there must be something that actually is more plausible more logical and in actually trying to deprove something like we we're saying that the scripture authenticates itself um but then when you take it to a wider scope of people and you're thinking, what about that, these per people in far-off places who haven't heard? That's when I, I, 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure what answer you're looking for. Um, you haven't given, a, given any form of indication whether the clothes were far away. But um, where, where would the con- would the conscience come into yeah. it? That that God shaped hole in everyone that the, the conscience is aware of that knowledge of good and evil. Is that is that where you take that? I think yeah. I think I mean all those three. Uh, those answers are valid. Um, the creation one, uh, creation is a witness. The heavens declare the glory of God. And secondly, I do believe that, that God is written in the hearts of of every human being because we're made in his image and likeness and we are distinct from the animal creation. You never would have a, a group of animals sitting doing a podcast on these things. Um, now, the fact of the matter is what, what I did do with those four students, um, <laughs> it's amazing how people who don't believe in God suddenly become evangelical, concerned about their fellow people uh, around the world uh, and, and concerned about them hearing the gospel. So what I did was I said to them, well, I said, uh, what sort of people were you talking about? What countries had you in mind? So uh, the first one, uh, she said, well, South Africa, for instance. I said, well, that's interesting. I had a sister who's a missionary in South Africa. So I said, they've heard. Uh, I said, any other countries? Oh, uh, Brazil was the next one. I said, well, I actually know uh, several people who are in Brazil preaching the gospel as we speak. So I said, they've heard. Uh, The next one up was uh, South Korea. I said, that's interesting. I was in South Korea two years ago, preached the gospel there. I said, any other countries that you had in mind? And uh, the final one was Ecuador. I said, well, have you ever heard of a person called Jim Elliot? No, we haven't. And I was able to tell them the story of Jim Elliot. I said, Google his name, and I can tell you that one of the most violent tribes in the world have heard the gospel in Ecuador and have been transformed. And I said, finally... I said, you're hearing it. So, you see, the question was not really to be answered by an apologetic argument because actually when you follow through the gospel in practice, let us rejoice in how much of the world that has heard the gospel. And in actual fact, the people who, in inverted commas, haven't heard, that's only just a reminder of the darkness of the world and the the God of this world and how much he has blinded the minds of them that believe not. And therefore, uh, let's get people and tell them to get saved and go and tell the gospel. Uh, so um, it's just another angle maybe on answering that question that might be more helpful for people because you do get asked it a lot. I mean, it'll be number one on the top 10 of on-street questions. What about those who've never heard? Well, let's just rejoice in those that, that have heard. Well, I think that's a, that was a really... I'm really glad you asked us that because I think we do fall into the trap sometimes of intellectually trying to answer a question. But actually, logically, if you look at it and you see actually the will of God has gone around the world and the commission was to go into all the world and to preach and there have been faithful servants that have done that. And even in, in this last year with COVID, think of the thousands of people that have heard the gospel online that, you know, the gospel has reached into places where it maybe might never have penetrated just so easily. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it is a massive, a massive subject, um, but 
when it's all distilled down, um, we, we can't miss the solemn aspect of it, and that is that every single person that we meet uh, is bound for eternity. Um, and the weight of that uh, should surely uh, weigh upon us and cause us to 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 reevaluate uh, what evangelism is and it is ultimately that commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel uh, to every creature uh, and i think the words of paul are fitting in that he says watch thou in all things endure afflictions there will be suffering do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry but it doesn't stop there we then have his personal testimony uh, as he's about to be martyred for i am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand i have fought a good fight i have finished my course i have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge will give me at that day and not only to me only but also to them that love his appearing I wonder if he had been told on the Damascus Road that this is where he would end up, um, that this is how he would die, uh, what he would have thought. And, you know, I just wonder going forward as we talk about this, here we are sitting in a comfortable room uh, just having a discussion about evangelism. But maybe 10, 15 years from now, maybe sooner, uh, we might not be able to do this. Uh, we might face physical persecution. Uh, we might face uh, the possibility that we can't go out and have an open air in the street. But while we can, and while we've got the liberty, let's make full use of it. Well, thank you so much, Johnny, uh, for just the, the, this past hour. So much has been learnt and gleaned, and uh, we we really appreciate your time in, in your busy schedule and. Hopefully uh, those who will be listening to this will find it as, as challenging and as um, helpful as we have found it. It might have to be uh, a two-parter at some point because there's so much more that we could talk about. But thank you all for listening to this episode. If you have any uh, questions or any uh, things that you'd like us to take up on in a future podcast, and there's an there's a, a email address in our bio. But thank you very much for listening and uh, until next time. <laughs>